for a few moments tonight in our time remaining, I, I really feel like it's important to continue on this, on this theme, even though it, it doesn't seem relevant presently. Uh, but on Wednesday nights, we've been talking about leadership, what the Bible has to say about leadership. And um, I tried to go in a different direction, but the Lord just kept reminding me, just stay the course. It may not seem important today, but what I said Wednesday night two weeks ago and Wednesday night the week ahead of that and what I'll say tonight is of great importance to Victory Baptist Church, to every family and to every individual on the matters of leadership. And, and so I, I began to talk to the Lord and I said, Lord, you know, all this sickness going on and COVID's going on and, and problems are going on, our country's in a mess and the Lord said, just stay with the course. And so I'll just try to be obedient tonight, and it may not seem like it's important now, but apparently it'll be important one of these days. You see, the, the real problem in our land tonight is leadership. You know it, don't you? That is the problem. We no longer have statesmen in high places, we have politicians. And uh, they're self-serving, to say the least. And so when you look at America tonight and you look at all that's transpiring tonight, it's a leadership problem. It's a leadership problem. And it's been that way for decades. And it seems to have escalated uh, as of recent. And uh, if you can argue the point with me or not, but we're, we're in trouble in America. We really are. Leadership. Leadership problems. What's the Bible say about it? What about the situation in our homes tonight? Could, could you lay the, the blame any place other than the leadership in the home? God has leadership. God has leadership in the nation. He has leadership in our homes. What, what about our churches tonight all across the land? I didn't get in on it last night, but my wife was telling me a little bit about it. I, I was late getting in. And, um, but uh, they had a whole segment on, on Tucker Carlson last night about the condition of churches in America, the closing of churches, the resigning of, of uh, ministers and the lack of, of participation. You know what's wrong in our churches? Leadership. Now, we have good leadership in our church family. We really do. I'm not putting myself necessarily in that category, but we have good leaders in our church. I can tell you stories that would curl your hair if it needs to be curled or help it to grow if it needs to grow. I don't know. But, uh, but we have good leadership. And so why is it so important right now? I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answer for that except that we need to know what the Bible says when it comes to who is the leader. You know, you don't just volunteer and say, I want to be a leader. I, I, that's what I want to be. I, I want to be a leader. I wrote in one of my Bibles many years ago, the best character, uh, the, the best quality of leadership is to follow the leader. And so, you know, you'll, you'll still know, even if you're a leader, you're going to be following somebody. Uh, God's ultimately in charge, and we all fall under Him, and we have our places Dad, mom, governors, military people, ministry people. And can, can you see my point tonight? I'm not trying to 
overanalyze uh, anything, but we're in trouble. And if we don't renew the foundation of leadership in our nation, in our churches, and our families, <coughs> I think that uh, the message Brother Montgomery preached a few weeks ago will become more and more relevant about perilous times. In the last days, perilous times shall come. I think they'll, they'll escalate. And so we need leadership. We need leadership in the land. I wanted to say that tonight. It makes me feel better if it'll help you any. And so we've uh, previously, uh, we looked at a couple of things. Our, our title tonight will be very simply this. I'll run through it quickly. We'll have a lot of notes up here. You don't have to worry about taking them. We can print them all for you if you'd like to have them. And, uh, but we're looking at biblical characteristics of leaders. Biblical characteristics of leaders. Now, Previously, we looked at the um, over in uh, the book of um, in the book of Proverbs in chapter eleven, in uh, verse number fourteen, we have these words: "Where no counsel is, the people fall; but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety." And so we talked about very briefly. We talked about this this person that God wants to be in charge, and. Uh, and the purpose, and then also the plan. It's all in that, in that verse. And uh, that person needs to, to have an experience with God. I talked a little bit a week or two ago about, you know, experience isn't everything it's made out to be. Experience isn't everything it's made out to be. Along with experience, you can have a lot of experience and not have knowledge and wisdom and understanding and discretion and integrity. You can, have, you can have academics running out your ears and not be able to make wise decisions in life. And so it's important that the, that the person that's in leadership has an experience with God, not just have an experience, not just have an experience. The purpose is a concern for God's people, their safety, and then God's plan is all found in that verse. And then we looked in 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 1. We actually looked all the way through verse number 12, but just the beginning of verse number 1, then we get into our, our five points tonight and we'll be done. Uh, this matter of leadership in the church. Leadership. We looked at leadership and then we looked at leadership in the church. Here's what he addresses in 1 Peter chapter number one, uh, 5 and verse number 1. The elders which are among you, I exhort. Now I just stop for there. We could read the other 12 verses and you could see all, you could, uh, you could find out about the, the uh, elders, the leaders in the church, the elders in the church, and the many names that that covers. We looked at bishops and pastors and evangelists, and we looked at the elders and so on and so forth. And we don't have time to look at all that again. And so we understand this. We know these three things about leadership in the church, that there must be a calling, there must be ascending, and you cannot bypass the qualifications. I was going to do the qualifications of a pastor and a deacon tonight. But I'm not that far along yet. I think we've got to develop a couple of other things. I don't want to get ahead of this. I, I want to come at it the way God comes at it. And God always has a, God has a plan in place or God has something that needs to be done when He calls a leader. He doesn't just call a leader and, uh, and say, just kind of stand over here for a little while. I'll find you something to do. Um, 
uh, Moses or, or Noah. I'll, I'll find you something to do when the flood starts. No, he called him ahead of the flood and ahead of bringing the nation of Israel out of the land of Egypt. God called on Moses. God had a, a purpose before he had a person. And so God's not going to challenge you about being a leader until he has a job for you to do. Leaders aren't in the business of just sitting around waiting their turn. Leadership, leadership. I'm just trying to tell you what I've learned or what I'm learning along the way. I've spent a lot of time on this, I promise you. And so the elders, leadership in the church and leadership. Let me give you some five biblical characteristics of first and be found in Psalm 78 in verses 71 and 72. God's wanting someone to pass on to generation to generation uh, his purposes to his people. And so in verse number 70 of, I'm sorry, let me back up. I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Back up. Let's go to Ezekiel. I'm sorry. I can't even read my own notes. Who couldn't do that the other night? Was that, who was up here and couldn't, couldn't read their own notes? Was it you, Brother Harrelson? All right. I don't feel so bad about it, a man of your experience. I don't feel bad about it as an old man, but I'm not sure as a young man I'd be a little concerned. I'm kidding. Let's back up. Biblical characteristics. You've got to get the first thing first. Ezekiel 22 and verse number 30. Here's the purpose, the purpose. And I sought for a man among them. But we're not just talking about men tonight. But in this particular case, he said, I sought for a man among them. And you'll see that when we look at the biblical qualifications of a preacher. He said, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge. See, God's got a purpose. He doesn't just look for a leader and then look for, hmm, let's see, you, you're, you're good at this, so I'll assign, it's not like a football team or a coach on a football team. You don't just get a, people, a whole bunch of people in place and look at them and say, well, you're, you're big and tall and, and you'd probably make a good lineman or you're, you, know, look, you're kinda, you look speedy, so we'll put you at running back. God doesn't do it that way. God's not looking except for anything to fulfill His own purpose in you and in me. And so I sought for a man among them. You have to go read about the, the days and hours of Ezekiel. That should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me, uh, before me for the land. I always quote that in the land, but it says for the land that I should not destroy it. He said, but I found none. And so God's searching for some quality, some characteristic. And I think the first one is given, the clue is given to us in Ezekiel 22 and verse number 30. God had a purpose. And God wants that leader to be purposeful. Can you, can you get a hold of that at least? Can you, can you think about that? Can you think about... Can you look at it in the light of God's word, in the light of God's plan? And that's the difference between the leaders in the world and the leaders in ministry. And there are some characteristics that, that kind of flow over into both sides, and we're going to look at a few of those in closing tonight. But we got to 
we got to remember that we're looking at this through the lens of the Scripture and not the one who looks like they're best for the job. When I, came to, when I became pastor here in 1980, I, I was... I'd gotten saved at 22 years old. I'd gotten called at, at um, 26 years old. And I was pastor here at 30 years old. I feel like I was still youthful in the ministry. Just four years experience in the ministry. But God's not looking. And, and every situation is different. There are churches, by the way, all across our area out now that are looking for a pastor all across this area. Our, our sister church over Faith Baptist Church over on the North Side Drive and, and um, uh, Forest Street. Uh, this is Brother Wisehart's last Sunday, this coming Sunday. Some of his men talked to me the other day and uh, just in casual conversation, I asked them, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, what's the plan? And, and so on and so forth. All over, all over, 400 Baptist churches, 400 independent Baptist churches in the state of Florida without a pastor. Who do you find? Where do you look? You know, uh, what's, the, what's the plan? You know, what's the next step in those situations? Well, I think the important thing for a church to know is what God looks for in leadership. And if you can ever get that right, God will take care of it. God will take you. Why are you so quiet on me? You're listening that well, or God will, but you got to get it in God's order. Let's look at it very quickly tonight. First of all, it's a matter of purpose. Now we can go to Psalm 78. <laughs> in Psalm 78, in verse number 70, so he chose David. Why to be a leader? Uh, also, his, he chose David, also his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes, uh, great with young. Uh, he brought him to feed Jacob and his people, the inheritance of uh, Israel, his inheritance. Look at verse number 72. He fed them according to, look at this, the integrity of his heart. The integrity of his heart. I think that's one of the key characteristics. A man of purpose, a man with integrity in his heart. Let's look on. In number in the third place. Look with me over in uh, First Chronicles, chapter number 12, in verse 32 and verse number 33. We have two of them here, and then we'll have one more, and then I'll just give you a bunch of scattered stuff and we'll be ready for prayer. But look the, look at the <coughs> David is cataloging his mighty men of war. And he takes each tribe in chapter number uh, 30, uh, chapter number 12 of uh, 1 Chronicles, and he, he looks at the quality and the, the character of the men and their expertise, and, and he goes one tribe after the next tribe, and he comes up with this great catalog that he can look at and he said these men are expert with the sword these men are expert with the bow and arrow these men are, are fighters these men are swift on their feet like lions and the list goes and he's, he's characterizing all of these men but then he comes down to the last thing and he says in verse 32 and 33 we find two things he said and of the children of Issachar which were men 
And look at this. That had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Not only is it men of purpose, but it's men of integrity, but it's men who are responsible. Men of responsibility. That is so important. Someone who is devoted. Someone who is devoted in verse number 33. And so we have people who are responsible, and then look in verse number 33 of Zebulun, such as went forth to battle, expert in war, that's good, with all instruments of war, that's good, Uh, 50,000, which could keep rank, but look at this, they were not of a double heart. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You get somebody in a leadership position that has dual allegiance. We, We don't need anybody in America, in, in high leadership positions that are sold out to a party. They need to be sold out to the people. But you don't see that anymore. It's not about, it's not about what the people need and, and what's best for the nation, but what's best for our party. Best for our party. Hello? Dual allegiance. Anybody takes the highest office in the land, they ought to have their face set like a flint. And no matter which way the wind's blowing, no matter what people are saying, no matter what people are doing, they need to do the best for the nation. In the leadership in the home, the head of the house is the man. If, if, if there's one in the home, and I didn't set it up that way, God set it up that way. The husband is the head of the house as Christ is the head of the church. And that, that husband in the home needs to have his face set, set like a flint, like a bulldog, and not, to, not wishy-washy and not pushed around, knowing what is best. I'm not talking about, you know, just, I'm not talking about dictatorship. I'm not talking about a, a, a rod of iron. That's foolish. That's, that's stupidity. God never, God never put anything like that in place. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. It's, it sounds good in camp meetings, but it just ain't real to the Scripture. We can look at that later if you so choose. Someone who is responsible, someone who is devoted, they don't have multiple Allegiances. I'm not, I'm not talking about recreation and vocation and all those kind of things, but somebody that has, in, in the first place, if they're going to be leaders in the ministry, it's got to be first. It's got to be first. Well, and then finally the last one. Let's look in, a, in the book of Isaiah. In, uh, in Isaiah chapter number 6, and uh, let's just look at verse number 8. We, we, I have to think 8 through uh, 12, but anyway, just verse number 8. You know the story here. Uh, with Isaiah, this is his call. And so now we have a characterization of purpose. We have a characterization of integrity. We have one of responsibility. And then we have one of devotion. If you're going to be in the ministry, you're going to have to be devoted to God. It's the only way you can make it. It's the only way you can make it. 
And it's, I'm not talking about pastoral ministry. I'm talking about junior church, and I'm talking about bus ministry, and I'm talking about Sunday school classes, and I'm talking about Christian school, and I'm talking about, I'm talking about the uh, 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 song leaders, and I'm talking about the choir, and I'm talking about musicians, and I'm talking about anybody who has a leadership position in ministry. You've got to be devoted to it. I mean, you can't give your life to it. God doesn't expect you to do that. But he does expect he does expect devotion. devotion. Look for a leader who has a purpose, has integrity of heart, is responsible, devoted, and willing. You can tell a lot about a man about how he takes how he takes care of his family and how he treats his family. And we'll see that when we get into the qualifications of a pastor, of a bishop. How he takes care of his family is parallel with how he will take care of the church. You get a man that doesn't take care of his family, and he ain't going to take care of you. Hello? Honestly. And you, you and I, many of us, we've been around long enough, we know these things, but I'm, we, we just need to be reminded. Not everybody that carries a Bible under their arm and stands behind a pulpit on Sunday are God-called preachers. A lot of them get caught up in the old thing Mama called and Daddy sent. And, and a lot of them are just, you know, they're just intrigued by it. You know, I was as a young Christian. I, I, I could see myself, you know, one day being a pastor. And then the Lord called me to do that. But, you know, I could see that ahead. I, I didn't know what I was getting into. I like the way Brother Allen put it. He said, well, you just jumped out of the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> That's just something preachers say. Don't, don't, don't take that critically, okay? Isaiah. The question is asked, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, If the man desireth the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. I believe every young man ought to give consideration to the ministry. We're not having many called. I was talking about mama called and daddy said, We're not having very many called this day and hour. But I think a, a young man's first obligation, he's raised in a Christian home, he's raised in a fundamental Bible-believing Baptist church, the first consideration that young man should take in heart and in mind is does God want me to be a pastor, a youth pastor, an evangelist? Before they go off and join the military, before they go off and go to college, before they go off and take a job with General Motors, they ought to put that out before God. Because you never know. Just trying to be honest. Either somebody here or somebody listening needs to know that. I didn't have any sons. And can you imagine taking either one of my sons-in-law and them being the pastor? Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine Andy or Stephen being pastor? What about co-pastors? Wouldn't that be something? This place would be a wreck. I think my daughters would have done better as pastors than they would. 
but I think we ought to encourage them. You just find God's will. If God wants you to be a mechanic or if God wants you to be a, a carpenter, if he wants you to be a banker or a lawyer or an Indian chief, whatever God wants you to be, that's what you need to be. But in, that, in the considerations, you need to first see what God... And I think that's the reason a young, lot of young men are so unsettled and, and they just can't make their way and they're just bouncing from one thing and they're not good, they, they, they're not good family uh, persons and, you know, they're, they're, they, they, and they might have just missed the will of God. I can say this. My dad wouldn't mind. He's been home with the Lord a long time. But he told me on many occasions, he said, I believe God called me to preach when I was eight years old. My dad. Of course, he was raised on a farm out in the country. He, he, he said when he was a young man, I think it was him and his brother, him and his cousin, there was no churches near them. He said they walked several miles to a, a a black church not too far from where they lived. And he said, I used to stand outside and look in the window while the preacher was preaching and thinking, God wants me to preach at eight years old. And he, he carried that thought. I was his pastor for decades. He may have never talked to anyone else about it, but he said, I, and I think he, I think he probably was. I think he's probably called became a great builder and, and successful contractor and a great dad. So give consideration. The thing is willingness. Let me give you this summary. It's 8 o'clock. And now I don't want to be too dogmatic here. Uh, what God is looking for, this is just kind of a summary of the things that we just looked at. And, but I, I think everything on either side of this chart that we're fixing to give you, and these are just things that I've collected over years and years, and this is not even half of them. Just little thoughts and little sayings that God dealt my heart about along the way, and I took time to write them down. But, but both sides in some situations have credence. And uh, number one, uh, God's looking for somebody with character, not charisma. Now, there's not anything wrong with being having charisma in the ministry. I'll tell you what's more important to have character. You gotta have a little of you gotta have little of the one on the right, but you gotta have all of the one on the left. Character. This is what God is looking for. Character, not charisma. Spirit, not style. There, there's so many ministries that are based on style. There's not enough power to blow the dust off of a gnat's nose. But there's plenty of style. Plenty of style. Dressing in style, strutting in style, operating in style, cool, collective, calm, and... God's not looking for style. Some of the best preachers I ever heard had zero style. Zero style. Had the most power of God on them, but no style. Who do you look for? 
God's looking at a man's heart. What he's got up here. It's faith, not fame. It's power, not performance. Now, I know all these things out in the world, you'd probably take the one on the other side and opposed to the one on the left, you'd take the one on the right. Power, not performance. It's fruit, not fortune. Not how many millions were made by, through the ministry, but the fruit that was made through the ministry. The lives that were changed, the souls that were saved, the homes that were rebuilt. And all that happens in, in both situations. And I'm not being critical tonight. God's looking for integrity, not ingenious. There's not a whole lot of innovation needs to be done. I know we want that. We want something new. And we got to make changes. And we're, you know, we're in a different day and a different hour and a different time. And we got, you, we got to do what everybody else is doing. But God's not looking for a lot of innovation. We've got everything is right here. There's no reinventing the wheel in the ministry. It's to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's the great commission, not the great commotion. God's looking for work, not wishes. I'm not talking about a 40-hour work week. I'm not talking about payday. I'm talking about work not dreams and, you know, just take care of the work at hand. There's plenty to do. Plenty to do. Here's another one. Here's the next list of them. Labor, not laziness. <laughs> I, I wish I wasn't used up all my time on the other. I, I've had, I've, I've heard stories of, I don't have to tell you that I've heard stories. I know, I know, I know situations. I've always felt like in the ministry, if I was able, I'm never going to ask anybody to do anything I wouldn't do myself. I may not have time to do it. I know we have great plumbers in the church. But that's not going to keep me from, if a toilet's running off on the floor, I'm not going to call Lakeside Plumbing and say, you know, can y'all come to, you know, I, if I'm able to do it, if I know how to do it, I'm probably going to at least cut the water off anyway. You know? I know of good, successful preachers, and uh, they, I, I, I've heard them give the church, this is what I do, this is what I don't do. I don't, I don't do yard work, I don't paint, you know, I don't, I don't clean buildings, I don't do this, and that's, that's cool. And I'm not saying somebody's lazy if they don't do things. But you need to avoid laziness. Here's another one. Joy, not jesting. I wished I was funnier. I'm way too serious. I'm too old to change. I've got a little bit of dry humor here and there. I can come up with something clever every once in a while, but I don't spend my, I don't put it in my notes. I don't sit down here and write, now this would be, be a good place for this story. And this would be a good place for this joke. And this would be a good... If it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If it don't, you just get Bible if you don't get a story or a joke. Joy, not jesting. 
Testimony, not talent. A message, not a method. So many people are tied up in outlines and, and um, expository preaching. There are some people that believe that the only kind of preaching is expository. There are people who that, who that believe, and the list goes on and on and on and on, and they don't believe like uh, what I'm preaching tonight is not even considered to be preaching if you're not going line by line, verse by verse. And that's okay with me. I love expository preaching. I love typology. I, I love, you know, I, I don't think you can get tied up in a, you know, locked down in a box. A message, not a method. It's not the rhythm and the rhyme. It's not the alliteration. Those are just kind of give us a map, you know, to where we're going. A message from God. It's quality, not quantity. It's the scripture, not schemes. Anything goes this day. It's doctrine, not demonstration. It's purpose, not a bunch of plans. It's what someone is, it's not what someone has. It's the sort of ministry, not necessarily the size of the ministry. Not anything wrong with big ministry. Wish I had more. I like this one. It's conformity to God, not compromise to the world. Conformity to God, not compromise. That used to be a dirty word in Baptist churches. Compromise. You compromiser. It's like just about like cussing somebody. Not anymore. The more conformed we are to the world, the more pleasure people take in us. The more people like you, the more you're like the world, is the more you like they are. And they don't want the preacher to be so distant and so close to God that they feel like he, you know, they want to be around the, when they're around the preacher, they just want him to be one of the other guys. And there are times for that. We've been working on Brother Montgomery's race car at night. We can get it in car show. This week, we've been over there working on it, and I didn't go over there in a suit and tie. I don't even think I carried my Bible over there either night. There's a time just to be one of the guys. When I go fishing, I'm not planning on taking my Bible. If I go fishing with you, if I go hunting with you, if I go to a stock car race, I don't go there to pass out gospel tracts. I may witness to somebody. If I go to the car show, whatever, I, a football game, there's a time just to be one of the guys. But it's not up here. There's something, this is not that I'm anybody, but this is what used to be called a sacred desk. Not because of the person, but because this is what God has set up. Do you get it? Do you get it? Conformity to God, not compromise to the world. A man on fire, not methods on fire. I wished I had some of these. I, I might not be preaching stuff. Somebody's going to say, man, you ain't even qualified to be here. Nobody's got them all. I tell you, it would, I don't, I don't think the Apostle Paul could match that list. I really don't. I don't think he could. Biblical characteristics of leaders. We're talking about church leaders tonight. 
Some of it spills over into the community. But let's take these things to heart. If you want copies of this, if you want to look at it, we can get them printed up for you. And uh, on the whole series, no problem at all. But, but you young people, you start thinking about it. You may be in a position one day that you have to, you have to be part of a church calling a pastor. I've never had to do it. I've never been involved in it one time in my life. I don't know anything about it except what I read in the scripture. I thought about it. It, it hit me double duty last week when they carried my good friend, Brother Dave McCoy. When they carried him out to the cemetery, I thought about it again that, that day. And that's a good church. What's that church going? Do they have a plan? And I could go down the list. Five of my pastor friends and four of them in the month of September. Four preacher friends. I'm not trying to be morbid. Not trying to take away from this great song service. And it shouldn't. We need to have understanding about who is going to be the leader. You're going to put the center at quarterback? We did that one time. Brother Richard and I, we, we used to coach boys club football. And, we had to, and they had a weight limit. I got all the time in the world. <clears throat> I heard about a preacher the other day, preaches two hours every time. I'll preach two hours and three times. But we had to, down here at Clyteville, we coached a team down there, the, the Pirates, the Clyteville Pirates. Started the team, built the team. The year we, we, we were such good coaches, the year that we quit, they won the championship. And, uh, but it had a weight limit. If you were over eight years old, you couldn't be over 105 pounds. And so we had this young man, and he was, he was, he was like, he'd been the center when he was seven years old and eight years old, and he was too heavy. And we told him if you'll lose weight, he had to lose about five pounds to play said, we're going to let you play quarterback some this year. And man, it wasn't five days later, he came in, he was all slimmed up, you know, and he quit eating burgers and hot dogs. He was all tight in here. Went in there and weighed him 105 pounds on the dot. And he said, coach, when I get the quarterback. <laughs> it's not that easy in the ministry. We got to have leadership. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Let's stand. When God was looking for a leader, he didn't take the most obvious person. David was, what, eight in line? There were many that were bigger, stronger, more experienced. God said, I want that little boy over there. Now, sometime he does. I'm enjoying these studies on Wednesday night. I've always wanted to try to teach. Maybe the Lord's going to let me do it, you know, in the older part of my ministry.